Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane. We're back with another podcast this week. G-Rex joined me in the conversation today. We talk about everything from the peekaboo black hole tour. We did a few dates together to what is up next for the G-Rex project. He's taken a bit of time off of shows. However, he's coming back next month swinging with Base Canyon into a massive tour for the fall and spring season. You'll hear all about it in the conversation today. It was great to hear about his journey as a producer from starting in 2011 with hip hop beats into trap into freeform and experimental type bass music that led him to Wakan in 2000, 2017, 2018, before all of that really rose up to the forefront. And now obviously Wakan is everywhere. So it was great to hear about his journey with them. Don't forget, you can always listen to these episodes ad-free commercial-free, only on my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. We have a bunch of stuff on my site over there, vocal packs, sample packs, so make sure to click the link in the description, head over there, check it out, and last but not least, if you love what we're doing here, if you're learning information, if you're loving the guests I have on, make sure to share this with your friends, leave a comment, rate it on Apple Podcasts, tag me, tag the guests. Let me know who you want to see come on the podcast. And I promise you with your support, I will make it happen. I hope you guys have been having a stellar week and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. So without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning into another podcast with G-Rex in the mix. Have a great week, guys. See you soon. Today was brought to you by Vitaplur E Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E Boost Gum is a first of its kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code Lizzie Jane for 10% off any order. Jake, thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. Yeah, you newly moved to Denver? Yeah, December. December. Everyone's yep. coming here, man. I had yep. Omar Kamari on here last week. He had just moved here with his girl. It's really becoming like a destination spot. Yeah, it's, that's nice. It's been cool. It, nice. it is cool. Where did you move from? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Detroit's cool too. Definitely different, but, yeah. but definitely are you in and peekaboo and sully and you guys all started there right yep, yep. i've heard the the college stories yeah. and and the frat the frat houses and the trap music and then all of a sudden you guys just started making music together yep. which is super crazy but for all those listening this is g-rex new denver <laughs> native i feel like everybody's just moving here and it's becoming this huge eclectic place for like creative artists and painters and all of that stuff so yep. it's gonna be cool to see like the development of it i'm like if you're gonna go to la just go to denver yeah exactly you know especially for bass music so what is your summer looked like what have you been up to this summer how shows been music been um it's been pretty light for touring lately mm -hmm. um I'm gearing up. I'm gonna do a co-headline tour with Buku. Oh, that's exciting! Love starting, him. Love yeah, him. Oh. Starting in fall and winter. So right now we're working on music for that, and cool. then getting all the dates and everything settled in. And 
actually just started picking up back on doing some shows. Nice. Um, Kansas City last weekend, Minneapolis this weekend, the Ritz. Yeah, there we go. Oh, good old Ritz. And then, uh, yeah, and then I go to Germany after that for some shows. That's exciting. Canyon and some stuff, a little break after that. And then, yeah, the tour fires up. So, Base Canyon will be fun. This is my first time. I have this thing in the back of my mind where. I'm like certain festivals I won't go to until I get booked to play them because I really want to experience it like fully through or I know if I go to an event I'm just going to be like fuck I wish I was playing like that are you going to stay the full time um I'm going to stay for two days so yeah we're going to do some podcasts and you've played before right so that venue just looks surreal it's the nicest outdoor venue I've ever seen in my life and it's crazy because like Red Rocks here I feel like I hear about Red Rocks and then I hear about the Gorge. And it's like, those are the two outdoor venues that are just like superior above all, above like any other club music venue in general. Um, It's gonna be really exciting. And it's like bass music, you know? It's cause I know Insomniacs like does events there. They do Beyond Wonderland. They do a lot of that Seattle, Oregon area stuff at the Gorge. But additionally, to have it just be an excision fest is going to be insane. Yep. You'll have a great time. It'll oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait. Do you know what day you're playing yet? Uh, Saturday. Out. Saturday? Okay, cool. Yep. I'm playing Friday. Are you going for the whole time? Is it a thing that you normally go? I went the one time I did play, I did like the full thing, pre-party to the end. Okay. And ended up That's camping. a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was very fun, but it was a lot. This year I have shows before it, so I'm kind of in and out yes but um, which i feel like as you become more seasoned that is normally the rotation where yeah. you're just not trying to completely burn yourself out i feel like the first time like i did lost lands last year when i played all four days and i hadn't done a festival especially post covid oh, yeah. the whole time until that fest and i was just like this is a lot. I don't know yeah. how everyone does the pre-party to the last day, to the afters, to the renegade sets. And it's just like a marathon. Yeah. And that, but that Lost Slams was like crazy. Cause after like the hiatus, everyone was like, ah, I'm yeah. like ready. So yeah. And I feel was- like it's, something where everybody goes for like almost the whole time. Cause you're like in the middle of nowhere. It's all your friends. It's like a homie fest. And I feel like bass Canyon will be kind of similar as far as like everyone elevating in bass music, but that's super exciting to hear. You're taking shows again. You got a new headline tour co-headline with Fufu coming up. I saw him make a tweet yesterday where he was like, we just wrote like this, like 2014 trap banger. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's, I feel like it's totally up his alley. So tell me about like how your progression and production has started. Like, did you start making bass music or were you like all over the place? Let me just learn. Um, Started in 2011 after I went to the first electric forest and got experienced that. I was like, I want to make that music. So like really all the excision was the first act I ever saw. Just seeing all the heavy stuff, and I was like, okay, I want to do that. So then I sat down and tried to make the heavy, and it's so hard. <laughs> and it's it was so hard. Yeah, realized that's not exactly a good starting point. <laughs> at, at that point, luckily, I had a lot of friends that were doing rapping and stuff, so I started doing rap beats. Okay. And kind of started there learning Ableton. And then about 
2014 is when trap started blowing up yeah and then you know from doing hip-hop and then doing that i was like oh wow now i can actually make some stuff that can like get up to that energy level and just progressed on that and then um kept making music obviously long time and then i think like 2018 came around and that or 2017 i went to the first lost lands okay and i saw hero bus played some edit of uh deep down low and then dropped it into like 40 hertz by distinct mode of like the low yeah 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 and i was like that'd be so sick like doing that except like having it be like more trappier drums with like that low end kind of feel mm-hmm. so like right when i got done i started making a bootleg of that and then uh tynan was actually in detroit he came over and he was like dude this is so cool can i hop in on it and me and him finished in like a few hours and that's like kind of where I just got my brain taking like what if i do like some deep d- dub with like trap drums and yeah that was kind of like you know it was at the same time like i had made that and then you know was linking with matt and he was sending stuff like doing kind of stuff in that range Mm -hmm. too and started working together and from there just went progressing off of that absolutely i feel like that 10 year mark is kind of a sweet spot for Mm -hmm. a lot of producers that i've talked to where from the ground to i don't know what the fuck i'm doing to okay i've found my sound that i want to establish myself with i have the craft kind of at least to a point where you know you're happy with the music you're putting out yeah it's that eight to ten year spot to really get everything into line and it's just so crazy because i feel like it's kind of shifted to where even when i got into it i got into it bit after you did i would say 2017 2018 you still had a lot of people who were predominantly like djs and Mm -hmm. then we're like oh i want to make this i'm tired of playing other people's music and now i feel like it's become the opposite because the scene has just expanded so much that everybody knows production is going to take a hundred times longer to learn than djing and i feel like djing is definitely like an art form but especially in bass music the way that I usually explain sets is like the edits, the quickness, like you're going from one to two to three mm-hmm. to throw back into one of your own songs, bootlegs, yeah. whatever. And it's just like, it's, it's something where I feel like as time goes on, you just have to start. Yeah. And, and, and that's the only way that you're going to progress to a point where you're happy with what you're making. Yeah, absolutely. Have you gone through bouts where you're like, I am so over this. I feel like I can't make music. Uh, yeah. Like every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like that's a little self-doubt yeah. in the back of your head. That's like, oh, hey, this fucking sucks. Yeah. It's just the most frustrating yet rewarding process ever. Like, you know, when you have those days where you finally like get something going, that's like really happy about and but it'll take sometimes like 10 of those days where you're just banging your head on a wall, miserable. And yep. like, it's, it's a roller coaster, but it's awesome. It's fun, but definitely it's not always fun. It's so <laughs> much a roller coaster. I feel like so much of it is like self-discipline to where even if like, you're not feeling it, like just get in your dog, yeah. especially if you're starting. Cause it's like, 
becoming an expert at something, you have to do, I don't know, what is it? 10,000 hours, 20,000 mm -hmm. hours. And even if you're making edits, even if you're just going in and just like doing referency thingies or, or making like a drum loop or a drum flow, it's still putting in the time and it's putting in the hours in the doc. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Like, especially when you're like starting off, it's like that closing that gap of like what idea you have in your head and then knowing the program and your tools well enough to like bridge that gap. Yeah. And so like just spending all that time to learn the software and stuff is like so important, especially like the grind time early. I feel like once you like put that and kind of connect that, then sometimes you like need to let yourself breathe once you get to that creative point to like come back to it and relove it and whatnot. But like definitely that early stage, it's just nothing but learn, learn, learn. Learn, learn, learn. And it's like making sure you don't lose that creative bug all the while learning all the technical shit that you kind of sort of have to know yeah. in order to like make something sound presentable or make the decision to completely like break those rules and throw them out. You have to at least know like the basis when it comes to like your frustrations. I personally get super stuck on like mixing down as I'm going. Yeah. Would you say that you get more frustrated in the production process when you feel like you can't find a flow or is it more so like, I can't get this mixed down to sound how I want it? Um, more of the, the production, like the production, actually okay. like, like getting to like the sound design and like how I want to like sculpt a uh, mixing is like fun, something, I don't know, it's not, mixing is like a little bit more fun to me. And like, really? Not, yeah, it's not as like I thought, like draining yeah like, like i can like write or like i like to write in the morning when i'm like fresh and then like mix at night when i'm like more burnt out but like it's less for me to think about i just use my ears and that's so interesting it's so crazy because everybody has like so much of a different production process yeah like when they work the best when they want to do the mixing if they are doing any of the engineering i've talk to like producers that just strictly write and they don't do game staging. They don't look at the decimal levels and then they have somebody do it out. And then I've met people where it's like, you know, do you do all your sound design in another session, save it in the keys, whatever, or are you making everything in the same project? Everything in the same project. Oh my God. That's fucking wild. Oh, that's amazing that you're able to like keep that creative flow. Cause I feel like when I, you, you know how you get to a point and I feel like it's only after you've been producing for so long you hear in your head like what you want to create and then you finally have the capability to create to it yeah. and it's like when you have that one sound in your head you're like god damn it I can't go further until I master like that sound that I hear that I want to emulate off of whatever VST would you say you use serum massive vital I what's your fave all audio samples. Really? Yeah. I You're just, exactly like Matt. Yeah. I know. No, when Matt, Matt told me that, same. I was like, bro. We're the same when we produce. Like, it's very just like audio samples and manipulating them and resampling them. But like, it's very minimal, like synthesis. Like, I'm not very knowledgeable or good in that region. And I think like that really helped me like level up when I found out that like, like, everyone was so good at serum and like trying to compete with that and realize that that wasn't what I was good at. And no. Like, and, and that, I think exactly what you just said is a huge problem that a lot of beginners have because there are stigmas out there that absolutely. like, you should be making your own drums. You should yeah. be making your sounds from two sine waves. And that's not the truth. Like we're in one of these, I would say fields where 
there are literally 200 ways to do one thing. And the way that you audio resample, you do your post-processing, that created like your sound. And I would debatably say there's less people who go about it the way that you do than the amount of people who say, oh, I need to design all my shit from scratch and zero. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you, like obviously majority of the listeners care about the product and not the process. Yep. And I think that a lot of producers get carried out and think that like everyone cares about the process. And it's like, well, they're producing for other producers. Yeah. yeah and exactly. it's like at the end of the day, like there's definitely, I would say more producers in the crowd than ever before, which is awesome. Yeah. But it's also like, hey, you're producing for club environments, festival environments. Yeah. Like, I think there was so much of a worrisome part through COVID because people weren't listening to music that you produced or I produced in the kitchen and whatever. Yeah, because, because it didn't it's, have context. Yep, because it's meant for live environments. It's meant for raves. It's meant exactly. for concerts. And I think the biggest hill that I've gotten over that I've always like looked at Matt Peekaboo's music, your music. So everybody on like that Wakan team mm -hmm. is, and even like D Jones is like building on like a simple motif with like subtle additions yep. where like you have that main sound that is like super addictive and you could be using, you know, different chains to manipulate the sound, but you're not writing like four songs in one. No. It's taking a simple idea, which is, it's crazy to think that writing simply is one of the hardest things to do yeah. because your mind always goes, I need to add more. I need to add this. I need to add that. And then when you get to it, it's like mixing down something that has all these elements that are conflicting is like fucking nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's super difficult when you've got everything so simple, it's easier to make everything bigger. Yeah. So like just big and simple is like kind of the, yes. the motto for that, that style in particular. Mm -hmm. And you were there you know, in 2017, when you said you kind of switched more into that experimental, yeah. you saw Hero Bus, 40 ounce, like all of that stuff. And uh, do you say that like the growth of Wakan and that like experimental base is like, I feel like it's changed the scene like forever. Yeah, I you think know? it's like cyclical because I think like, I mean, I got into this in 2011 and it was like the dubstep, like the you know, bass bro step, and stuff. yeah, yeah, and, and that then it bass went trap, and then it went to that bro step like in 2016. Bro Safari, all that. I think like that sound was like really cool, but I think you were hearing so much of it. And 2018 was the year when that kind of shifted, and the experimental thing kind of got more like it was people it was like fresher, and so it'll be interesting what the next is i don't know exactly it's very what? interesting because like i was talking to kumarion and i don't consider drum and bass like dubstep you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah, i don't yeah. consider it like a subgenre of dubstep it's a it's a separate yeah. thing that's totally of its own like just as important but i feel like in my mind like when i look at everything happening now i just see drum and bass on the rise like i don't yeah. see like we had kind of that like little future rhythm spout where you got mm -hmm. all of like the leatrixes coming in and that yeah. stuff and like that's definitely propelled itself but i don't foresee it completely taking over like wakan did like a label yeah. did like maybe in the future but i do feel like it's definitely a lot bigger than it used to be but you know the question you just posed is really good like i don't know what's going to be next yeah because right now anywhere that you slap wakan onto sells out yeah like it's it's definitely it's definitely uh 
uh, I would say mainstream base label now yeah. where people used to consider the underground. And I don't think it's the underground anymore. And no, experimental base. Yes. Hot. Would you like attest your like journey with Lacan to like a lot of your success and like your fan growth and like a home for your music? Like how has yeah. your experience been with them? Um, I, my, we have liquid stranger. I mean, I think he caught wind of me through when we were sending like Bob Tunde around me and Matt. Um, Matt had released with Wakanda before, and um, he had brought up that they wanted Bob Tunde to have Wakanda do the home for it. Yeah, of course. So I was like, cool. Ended up meeting Liquid, you know, sending him a lot of music. And then he was like, I want to bring him on tour. And then did the Infinity tour. And that definitely like, propelled a lot um you know going on tour with champagne drip ls dream lucy and martin obviously it was a great well you great just crew. look at where everybody is there yeah i was talking to tati red drum because she's here mm -hmm. now too yep. and um you know i just said i've seen i've paid attention to that tour support for like three years now and everyone who he brings on in the next one to i would say maybe two three years completely their career blows up yeah and and he has a really awesome platform not only because he can sell the tickets on his own but yeah. he really curates like that next gen yeah. of freeform based music underneath him and yeah. it's like it's amazing it's to see like the smokeland boys to see tati to see taboo yeah. you guys like it's it's why lucid like i remember yeah. that that tour stop that's where i met sully yep. i remember he was in saint pete and we yep. all went to go get something after and it's it's really really cool to where now you know at global dance the other day he's on stage with martin playing a collab and it's like that's that's the goal that's yep. that's the dream yeah. if you're making this this type of music and so tell me the story behind Babatunde. I want to know the story because I've heard it's fairly simple and kind of funny. Yeah. But but how did you guys go about making the lead? How did you guys go about just arranging everything? It's a very simple song for yeah. any producer listening. Like yeah. you've got that simplicity, but it's yeah. like so catchy. It's, it's like dun dun dun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, me and Matt, um, AT Aliens they asked me to do a remix, and. I started that and had some really like deep ideas. So I asked Matt if he wanted to work on it with me and he got on it and made it in like a day and we were like super excited about it. And like fun fact, the second drop of it is pretty much probably Oh, like almost no. to like a T yeah. and it's just like a lot lower tempo, but we, you know, week went by and we're like, dude, let's just like, that was so easy. Let's just make an original. And so we just started on it. And at that time, you know, I was living in Detroit. He was living in LA. Um, we just got on Zoom and just like literally just each one of us just Dropbox, Zoom back and forth, adding little pieces to it. And, you know, it just came yeah. together. And when we were done with that, like, you know, didn't really, I mean, we were like excited about it, but didn't really like think it would you know be what it was i think and then started sending it around to bigger artists and yeah it kind of 
is what everybody wow. wants to play it. It's it's put in all the sets, and yeah. everybody's like, "Holy fuck!" And then it finally comes out. Yeah, it's like the Grizztronic effect. Yeah, we, anticipation. We built up a lot on it, which really like helped us. You know, I feel like that's the state's version of like modern day dub plate like culture. Yeah, because I was talking to Funk Case, and he was like, you know when i was doing this in like the early 2000s the mm-hmm. way that you really built up the antici- anticipation of the track was like sending it to a select few so he's like now you know if i if i get something for my label and it's really hot and i know it's going to be you know welcome tune or something like that yeah. he's like i'm sending it to subtronics i'm sending it to dr p i'm sending it to excision yeah. maybe five more other people and then boys. it blows up blows up blows up what the fuck is this all the all the like support smaller djs get a hold of it that's blows up blows plan. up and then you release it and it's like yeah it's like that's that's so much of what it is because if you have that memorable sound, which like that sustained bass and Baba Tune Day is like yeah. the whole thing where people lose their minds, all that stuff, it becomes very memorable very quickly. It's almost mm-hmm. like I feel like it's equivalent to having like a pop and pre drop lyric or like a chorus that everybody knows. And that's like what happens in bass music when somebody has like a hit. Yep. You know, you can think of a Subtronics melody or something where you're just like, okay, I know this is him. And then they listen to it and they go, okay, I know this is Peekaboo. I know this is G-Rex. And then did you guys all go to college together? Uh, yeah, so I'm the oldest. I went, yeah, I was at Western right when I graduated, when I was a senior. Sully was a freshman. Oh, okay, and okay. So okay. I met him right when he had got there and then I left and then he, Basically, I was, like, DJing, like, house parties and stuff. Yeah. And, like, when I left, there wasn't really, like, anyone doing it. And that's when, like, Sully and Matt came in. And, like, they went from the house parties to, like, bars and stuff. And, like, we're, like, actually, like, making money for these bars and bringing people in and, like, doing promoting and stuff like that. So they kind of grew that scene out there. Um, And then I had moved to L.A. to go to Icon. And... Okay. When I moved back to Michigan, they moved to LA. Oh shit! Like flip flop, right. and Sully went to Icon, and right at that point, um, you know, Matt was working on a bunch of stuff. And, yeah, and that's gonna go on. Well, and it's even like I know Matt because when I spoke with him, I was unaware because I remember I have like my iPod still from like mm-hmm. a long ass time ago that I used to just like put songs on whatever and I went in my iTunes one day when I saw like liquid like Martin pulling up Matt for like like at Grand uh what is it the Grand Intersection the inter- what oh, is intersection it? intersection in Michigan yeah. yeah I saw him pull him up for like one of like the first times that Matt really like blew the fuck up and yeah. he was playing like I think it was like the hide and seek EP Aliens. or it was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah like that's what it was and I looked him up and I was like he used to make trap music and he had like i had like trap music of his on like my computer Mm -hmm. and i feel like that whole aspect of like whether it's the rebrand or the new sound or whatever is something that was very very common and still is nowadays when people i feel like get their hold on like what they want to sound like yeah and did you always start in ableton or because you did it hip-hop were you in fl always able to always able to okay ableton. yeah when i started i just like google search like 
what does Diplo and Skrillex use? Yeah. Like Ableton. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna start on this. That was me. I used Reason. I used like a crack version of Reason for like two years, and then somebody was like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Go yeah. to Ableton." And I went to Ableton. Um, but yeah, that's that's Ableton. I feel like is just the the universal DAW yeah. for for what we do in general. Do you have an interest in? I know like. Mike, he lives in Tampa, Blunts and Blunts. We've had like tons of discussions where now he's kind of gone a bit more into like that rap production scene. Mm -hmm. Do you have an interest to do that more in the future? I know you've done it some a bit too. Yeah, 100%. That's like kind of like, I think like when people ask me like, what are my like bigger goals? I'd like to like get into like production for like rappers and kind of be like, yeah, I'd like to be like, in that realm and like those rap beats are so simple like it's just getting in the door if like someone who had like big production you know skills can work with like artists like that yeah like it's it's cool to see like the products like obviously like skrillex is like the goat but like you just see like how powerful his beats are with like big vocalists it's like you can put that big sound behind like big voice it's and you've already seen it too i mean i even think i think about what drake just released i think about what beyonce Mm. released i think about travis scott like fucking two three years ago and that was when you like that was when at least i'm not super cued into the rap scene but i was listening and i was like these are fucking edm beats like dumbed down like these are no longer like hi-hat on 16th notes and just putting an 808 underneath where you're tuning it doing whatever and you hit it on the head when you said, you know, bass music is hands down. I will like stand by this to my grave. One of the hardest genres to produce. Absolutely. Like it's, it's, I feel like I sometimes go in my jaw and like, I just start making now I'm, I'm like, okay, don't confine yourself to just making bass music. Mm-hmm. Like I'll make a lot of stuff in 90 or 128, you know, 110. And it's like, you go in to make a tech house song and it's like, of course there's I think it's harder in a genre like house music to stand out because right. I would say it's an easier genre to make. Yeah. Um, but you know, I feel like I can pump out like a hip hop beat or a tech house song in like a day. Whereas like with bass music, I'm like going in a 16 bar loop for like five days, trying to fill out all the layers, fill out all the sounds, yeah, put the, the orchestra. Yeah. Look at span, look at the spectrum analyzer. And then it's, it's just crazy. But you get such a skill set with it. And I feel like COVID put it into perspective for a lot of people where you can't just depend on touring anymore, you know? And, and I think, I think that was always the case, but there was nothing in our lifetime that had happened where it was like, you really can't depend on it. Like you, you can't. And even now, I mean, even now, I know events aren't doing as well as they used to do, yeah. you know, just simply speaking because of where our economy's at, where people's priorities are lying. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know how the kids in Denver do it. Like yeah. hats off to you guys yeah. doing like red rocks, red rocks, temple, whatever. Everything sells out here. And it's like, Shout I don't know. All the fans. You guys are the best. <laughs> Literally like yeah. everything sells out no matter who it is. It's yeah. just like yeah. music. I'm here you go. Show and it was so right. crazy even to see like for the Zed's Dead Jamboree. I'm like, this is on the fucking like state capital fucking property. Yeah. Like you would never see something Slant, like that in Florida. Too. Slant. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so now, and then yeah. the next weekend they had like another like punk folk 
concert yeah. and it's i really do believe the city is like completely ran on music yeah and i don't know how ticket prices are in michigan but you know in florida like when you play at the ritz like if it's not free guest list, I mean, it's like $20, $25 tickets. That's all the way up the board. That's for Gasly. That's yeah. for Yellow Claw, you know. Yep. And here, tickets are like $80, oh, $100. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is a difference. This yeah. is a change. And they're selling out and getting resold. Like, you know, I'm like seeing like some of the Red Rocks resale prices that I've seen. are like insane. Stupid. Yeah. I, I know, crazy. like Rubes du Soul is coming, Flume's coming. Yeah, it's there. like three fifty after yeah. service fees. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll just go see the gorillas two nights in a row yeah, <laughs> for cheaper than this. And I totally crazy. get it. You know, Red Rocks is just this place where I feel like, especially going to concerts, playing concerts, is so much of our, you know, yeah. career. This show feels like it goes by like that. Yeah. It's like a magical venue. Yeah. I, I feel like I can see any type of music there, maybe even music that I'm not necessarily a fan of. And it's such a cool environment. The acoustics are so well tuned in. And you're just like in this like red rocks, like spaceship. And then like the show's over. And yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things that I, I do believe that more artists are going to move here, are going to be desired to be here in the scene. A lot of people I've talked to that have, moved here from LA, like my grandparents who, who used to live over there, it's like, this reminds them of how LA was in like the 1960s and yeah. like the 1970s where like all of these creative like elements are starting people to kind of like just blow the fuck up and people are moving here because it's becoming like a destination spot. Yeah. And I just feel like for like the bass music scene and music in general, it's just like, even like, things like tomorrow, like Jenga throwing the barbecue, like stuff like that. Like I've never lived anywhere where it's like such a huge community of like bass heads where like the artists are there, the fans are there, there's no middle line and everybody just chills. Yep, it's awesome. The community here is great and stuff. And there's always something to do. Yeah. Which is like awesome, but also like- It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, exactly. We're I know. Stuff done. <laughs> like in Florida, because I was just like, not even though it's hot as fuck outside, yeah. I'm not a fan of the heat, humidity, beach, like whatever. Like I would just stay inside. I'd go to the yeah. gym, I'd do my podcasts and I'd work on music. And now that I'm here, I'm just like, fuck, like all my money's gonna be gone. Like, here we go. But it's, you know, it's also enjoying life. And like, this is a really good quality of life. Like yeah. I was talking to Blunts when he was here the other day and he's just like, this is one of my favorite places to come. And I was like, I get it. Like, yeah. totally, totally get it. And I feel like, do you like ski, snowboard? No, I used to a bunch. Should pick it up. I, You're gonna have to. I hurt my knee and now I'm like, oh, don't like no. too scared. I don't want to like do it. And then like be missing shows. Lessons, Yeah. small lessons. I did go tubing. Oh copper. really? Oh During shit! Okay, <laughs> cool. No, so, I love copper. We're so. we're definitely we're big snowboarders, so nice. I feel like it's gonna be gonna try and do the weekdays because I went hiking this past weekend up in the mountains and that traffic gets gnarly. Like yeah. you can just sit in that for like hours. I was like, okay, weekday trips, weekday yeah, trips. Yeah, weekday trips. But for sure. overall, there's just like so much to do here, and I feel like as a music scene, it's just gonna keep like prospering. And like on the horizon for you, like not show wise, working on new music, working on new EP. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, traveling, obviously I'm like, I'm really excited to go to Germany. 
Yeah. It's like cool to do some like international. Are stuff. you doing a run of shows or what's going on over there? I'm playing Boot House with Borgo. Oh, uh, Boot House. And then, yeah, which I was like obviously like a bucket list for bass music. That's a fire one. And then um, a festival called Nature One Festival over there. Okay. And Boot House is curating um, like a bass stage. Oh, so that's I fire. Think, like Christian's on it, Lude, Dirty Phonics. Oh, fire. Couple. Social mostly people. international guys mostly so international you're gonna be like, like one, one of, of yeah because so. i know uh rampage just happened yep. and that was cool to see so many like homies go over there and play and then like you're going back i feel like germany is that hot spot for yeah. bass music seems like germany paris and budapest seem to be the spot budapest isn't popping off too i yeah. had yeah I, it's just crazy. I've never been overseas yet. I'm like, music is going to like take me there, yeah. but it's wild to see where it does pop off and where it doesn't pop off. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause like, obviously dubstep is like rooted in London and stuff. And like, they still have shows, but like, it seems like not as much as they used to host. That's what Funky said. Yeah. He said Funky's chime. Like they all live over in that kind of greater area. Yeah. And they just go, you know, it used to be like the the days with like, I think like Skepta yeah. and like Scream and like all of those guys. Scream, Vanga. Yeah, Vanga. Yeah. Uh, that used to be like wild. That was the birth of everything. Yeah. And then it came over to the States and it's like, it's, I feel like every genre of music is going to look a little bit different overseas versus in the United States. Yeah. And, you know, Camarion and I were talking about like drum and bass and he's like, drum and bass over here is going to look different than drum and bass overseas. Absolutely. 100%. Because we just commercialize everything over here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and I get it. Like I get from like an international perspective, I can't imagine going through the visa process and then still giving up half your money to yeah. like, you know, in the United States, but the festivals, I would say besides Tomorrow World, which that stage looked fucking crazy. Yeah. It literally Spatial looked like thing. it was like a scene out of Halo. Yeah. Like it looked like it. I was like, damn, is that is that really it? And my boyfriend, he like he's like into EDM, but like not like he doesn't work in like music yeah. or anything. And he looked at and he's like, wow, that's cool as fuck. Yeah. I was like, yeah, imagine that's seeing incredible. some fucking crazy artists on there, like techno, like all of that stuff it's it's are you gonna go over and like chill for a while or just going coming back i'm gonna be there for a week so i have two okay. shows so it'll have plenty of time to do some downtime and i think we're just Sporting. i'm going with my manager and we're just gonna hang out that's awesome out yeah no and, that's gonna be super really cool, cool. I've, I've been to europe once not at, for just for vacation so this will be like a little absolutely and then as far as like your manager have you been with him or her for like the duration of your career mm -hmm. Yeah, I have two managers now, um, but um, my manager, Nate, I've been with him since the beginning. That's so, awesome. Yep. I feel like that's like a, a rare situation yeah. where you, you get somebody from like the get-go who's yep. like, hey, I believe in you. Because that's so important, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so important to have like a team that is like actively supporting your vision, where you want to go, you know, there for you to push you forward definitely important i feel like as far as building a career that's sustainable yeah absolutely i think too like when you like get to a point where you can like start financially like supporting yourself with music then it gets to the point where you realize like 
you need to start going hard now for your team too. Mm-hmm. Like the people that believed in you before. Yep. It was so like that's like the next level of motivation and stuff. And then obviously from there, if you like, you know, your team's like doing well, then it's like, okay, you can use your platform to like, put on other artists. Yep. Yeah. And that's like what you see, like Liquid and Excision and those like big, big giant artists that have those platforms. And, and I feel like do. yeah, that that's the like uh, the step. Yes, it's like the 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 chronological stepping stone of of being an act because so many people don't realize how long your team really works for free before stuff actually starts to happen. And a lot of people, I think, if they do start on their own, they might not necessarily have that person until they have some of that momentum. Yeah, but it's also important. I feel like as an artist, especially nowadays. To, to at least like know what every team member should be doing. Cause I feel like the more that I see on the back end, the more that I kind of realize sometimes that artists who aren't knowledgeable about these roles and positions do get taken advantage of. And that's never a fun, you know, situation to see happen to like no. a friend or a colleague or X, Y, and Z. And even with like exclusive label signings like did you exclusively sign with Lacan? No. okay because i know some people have who have been on the tours and stuff yeah. but i wasn't sure if you did like hey i owe you guys x amount of music that's no. awesome cool no i wouldn't recommend for anyone to like exclusively sign i would say anywhere. in edm don't do it don't, don't do, do it yeah you just never know especially like labels like it's a weird time for labels right now too you know they never say die is like you know it's done. Yeah. Which is crazy to yeah. see as someone who's been interested and in, in like in the scene for so long because Absolutely. Never Say Die was a staple. Yeah, and that was like the hierarchy of heavy bass music. Like, yeah. That's like the god tier shit. And so um, You were on Black Label or Round Table. Yeah. That was like the birthing into yeah. these two labels. Those were like Yeah. And now you've got like obviously like Subsidia, Wakan, Deadbeats, Disciple. You have like even like smaller ones that are killing it, like Night Mode, Jody Dalla. You've got stuff's awesome. Opio. You have uh, so many. There's so many. Yeah. You have like Good Vibrations. You have like Heaven Sent. You have dude. There's just Lost in Dreams. (laughs) Ophelia. (laughs) Like there's so fucking many. I mean, as you like, if if you were, what is your stance now on releasing? Do you still feel like it's important for you to be a part of a label? Or do you feel like you're at a point where if you put in the proper release plan, time, marketing, X, Y, and Z, releasing independently may be the way to go with a distributor? Um, I think if you have enough of a platform that releasing independently can be like a great option. I think that when you're like an up and coming artist, labels can be a great option as well. I think one thing that like I tell people when they're looking at like labels and where they want to shop their music is like, go look at the artists that are releasing on that label and see what the label is doing for that artist outside of just releasing their music. Like, are they putting that artist on tours? Are they putting them on shows? Are they like, you know, is the label boss like supporting the music, which, you know, you know, they're releasing. Um, those are like important factors. But yeah, right now, I mean, I feel like uh, it's a crapshoot. I feel like yeah. you could definitely because I mean, you're totally right. I feel like my whole thing or my approach to it was to get to a point where I could like 
put a little bit of music in the labels that I wanted to associate myself with mm -hmm. and see if any of the labels put a foot forward to invest more in the project, yeah. i.e. do an advance, i.e. you know, invest into a music video, put you on the deadbeat shows, put you on whatever. And I feel like everybody's journey is obviously different. Yeah. However, it's really sad to see when an artist consistently gives music to a label that's giving nothing back. Exactly. And and it's really hard because we're at a point too where, you know, even at your level, I'm sure you're getting labels saying, hey, we're not releasing for another six months. Hey, Absolutely. we're not releasing for another year. Yeah, they're just, the schedule releases are super, like a lot of the bigger labels kind of have their like core artists that are like locked in. Those are like, priority. Yeah, they may not necessarily be looking for something newer or you know it's just just is what it is yeah but. and that's why i feel like even like marion who's saying about jody dalla like don't be afraid to send your music to not those a tier labels to those mid-tier yeah. labels because a lot of the time they will put blood sweat tears money into that yeah. release to make it the best it can while if you go to a larger label sometimes as a more up-and-coming artist your song could be coming out the same day five other songs are coming out and they're really going to just invest their money into the song they know is going to do the best. Yeah. And your song just kind of gets lost in the sauce. And like, as a producer, like, you know, every song you put into, like, it's at least a few, you know, multi hours of work. Like it's still Absolutely. time and like a part of yourself. And it's like, you want that song to be appreciated. You don't just want it to be like a part of a template art thing. And then like, that's it, you yeah. know? And, and I feel like now, the more successful artists that you see do have that total vision encompassed, like the visual aspect, the right marketing plan. And it does take a while to get there. You know, you have to do trial and error. You have to figure out what works and what doesn't work. But I do feel like the people who have a stronghold grasp on their brand, as well as their music are doing the best. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and it's a total and, package. Yes. Total package, 100%. And then like, tell me how like you, got your brand because like you have the whole dinosaur thing yeah. goes with the g-rex like are you huge fans of like jurassic world or like dinosaurs or like how did this come about it was like when i was in college originally like me and my buddy were making mashups and we were just like well, what should we release this under and i just we we're just going back and forth and i was like what about like g-rex he's like oh that's cool let's do that and so i just <laughs> i had that forever yeah no background no meaning oh that's no great. anything and it just developed over time and it was like okay well i want this brand to be like you know part of me so it's like what do i love and like like what things do i like and like it's like i love pop culture and i like horror movies okay and so when i finally had a good logo made for me that like the same the logo that i have now I, I gave the artist the vision board with all these things like aesthetically that i really liked and he yeah. just aced it and then kind of went to the red and black color scheme yep and then the it all falls in line really yeah well. it all yeah and it all just like and then like the creepy horse like the, the horse nay like creepy and just all the stuff and like i had all these like little laughs i used to go through and like when i was like kind of really tuning in on my sound i would go on youtube and look up like 
best up and coming horror movie trailers of like the next year. Okay. And I just YouTube the MP3 it and oh, then drop fire. it in Ableton and chop out little samples of just little vocal bits or like little tiny things and made a sample thing. And that's like how I made a lot of the stuff that I made in 2018 and just would use those okay. tracks and stuff. That's fire. And just like, yeah. So the brand is like dinosaurs and horses and horror shit. Love it. Rap and chains and all sorts. I don't know. It's all over the place. It, it falls in line <laughs> yeah. with dubstep. Yeah. It falls in it's, line with dubstep. the bass music, the like yeah. crazy. I remember when you played the show with Peekaboo in Seattle, right? And mm -hmm. that really cool, you had that little upstairs bedroom, green room yeah. that you could look down into the venues at Showbox, yeah. I think. And Same I remember you show. came you came on stage and uh, you just started playing rap music. And it was like, everyone was like, okay, let's fucking go. Yeah. It always gets a crowd hype. Cause I feel like dubstep people either love heavy rap or they love metal. Yeah. It's like one of the two. Well, there's like the metal rap too. Yeah. Like yeah. all this stuff, especially like a lot of the stuff that's come from like Florida and shit, like Zillow yep. Tommy and yep. Sos, like Sos Mula and all that City Morgue and the Denzel Curry and all that and Ghost Mains from like Miami. All that shit's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's Rolling Wilds this weekend. I have like a few friends working it. Yeah. And that's always a shit show. Incorporating that kind of heavy music because a lot of that is so bass heavy too and still can like compete. it falls right yeah. in line it goes with the dubstep and like the like scary creepy aesthetic and it just works perfect no works like, that's that's super that super sick are you on lost lands this year or just base canyon just base canyon okay cool yep. same 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 yep. i feel like lost lands is one of those things where it's like I feel like he has those staples and then like people rotate. It's like every other yeah. year you do this rotation and I like, I totally get it. Cause I, it'll be cool to see more base festivals felt like Forbidden Kingdom in Florida. That's yeah. been blowing up, which yeah. is really cool. I feel like Insomniacs is really taking like a standhold cause it's really just been the excision fest that have been like really massive base festivals. Cause I know yeah. there's like Wobbleland that does ones and Toxic Summer that does yeah. ones but they're not like to the size that those outdoor fests are at yet. Yeah, those are big money festivals. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, 100%. Like, yeah. I was talking to, I don't know who I was talking to. I, it was one, somebody on Excision's team and he was telling me how everyone within like a mile radius, he offers to like send them on a vacation. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like amazing. I, I totally yeah. get that. If I was there, I'd be like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Vacation time. It's such like a family orientated festival too where I, you don't see that in like insomniacs or like big kind of corporations like yeah. Disco Donnie. Yeah, he definitely did it the right way. Like started and built something absolutely amazing. And like all his festivals and I've been, you know, blessed to be able to play on a, a good amount of them and got to play on Paradise Blue this year. And that was- like, Oh, how was that? Awesome. Cancun, right? Yeah, yeah. so fun. That's, were you on the- pool stage yeah pool. <laughs> i remember just like those world the whirlpools yeah. and like people like moshing in the pool i'm like this is a mess yeah I'm like this is a lot it was a great time i'm sure those fun. uh families vacationing down there at the same time had a great experience no was, yeah <laughs> at the first day there was like a little bit of overlap and some of the like outsider family people would just like look around like what, what did I? Yeah, what the fuck is going on, bro? Because you wouldn't expect that in Cancun, you know? <laughs> like, you wouldn't expect it in Cancun. But 
it's it's just wild to see how his concepts are expanding. I had totally forgotten about Paradise yeah. Blue. It's just huge. And you know they're only just going to get bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And, and this, I would say that dubstep and like this, the evolution of the scene isn't going anywhere. No, it just keeps pushing forward and yeah. growing and whatnot. Yep. And it's not just like the music, it's just the community aspect of it that people yes. really grasp onto. Some people like, I don't even know if they like the music, which is totally fine. They just like being a part of something. Yeah. And like a community where cool. they feel accepted and like, and that's like one of the coolest parts about it. It's a very accepting community. I would say like, the majority of people just raves in general watch out for each other because i was a big metalhead until i was like yeah. 18 19 and then i was brought to a few raves and i didn't like the music but i did like the people yeah. i was like this is like way different than a regular concert setting mm -hmm. and and then i kind of like i was showed the right artists eventually and i was like okay i fuck with this now it was like Arl Grimes Void tour. That was like when he did like the warehouse tour. That was I was like, okay, this cool. is it. I was like, this is it, right? Fucking here. Like yeah. super, super, super dope. Um, when does your tour with Buku start? September, um, October. It's going to start in October. And I think it ends in like February. So it's a pretty, Oh wow. It's a pretty You're going on tour tour. Yeah, it's a pretty big one. It'll be like a fly-in. Um, but a lot of it's really routed well, so we'll be able to drive from day to day. So that's going to be nice, especially with flight prices. Um, they're going down a little bit, yeah. but they're not down to where they were. Yeah. I have so. yet to buy my Montreal ticket, which is like $800. Oh. It's like so much. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I feel like Denver, though, is like one of the best places that you can fly in and out of. Yeah, a, because especially with like cancellations and all that stuff. There's like 10 flights that go here a day from yeah. any major destination. I just wish it wasn't so far away. I know, <laughs> I know. It's kind of a hike. Are you like, you're like 30? Yeah, to drive it's like 25, but like usually I just take the train. Well, I was about like, to say, uh, now that I'm moving down here, I'm yeah. probably gonna try and take the train, but I don't it's know. Easy. Is it easy? Is yeah. it better? It's easy. Yeah. Well, you don't have, especially if you have like rush hour and stuff, you don't have to worry about anything. And if you try to like Uber and Lyft, especially on peak time, it'll be like 150 sometimes Fuck no. yeah because so. the pikes peak parking lot it's like i think it's like eight dollars a day which is honestly really yeah, fucking good easy. for yeah. airport parking but also like with the traffic it's yeah you just never i have clear yeah yeah and like i do yeah. that but i know it's still even like if you go to a really weird hour it's like not gonna be open and the lines for security there's like thirty thousand people or something that go through denver airport a day it's crazy which is insane yeah, if you don't have pre or clear in that airport and you're traveling consistently. Godspeed. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good fucking luck. I was like going to my dad's house and I got there like 30 minutes before the doors for my flight opened. And I was like, can I, or closed. And I was like, can I do it? And I got there so late and there like wasn't a line, but I was like, motherfucker, this is going to be fucking crazy right now. Yeah. Cause it's like, you have to take a tram too. Like in Tampa, you got like a one way. You're yeah. like in, you're in, you're out, you're getting 10 minutes. Denver, it's like, okay, 30 minutes security, 10 minutes tram, find your gate. It's like, yeah. But you know, there could definitely be worse things. Yeah. But that's super exciting. You're going on tour, going on tour with Buku. That's gonna be fucking wild. Yeah, that'll be good. So that you're gonna hit the Ritz then, on tour. 
Oh no, I'm doing a solo. You're Emirates. doing solo yeah, Emirates. Yeah, okay, yeah. when is that? Uh, next Friday. Oh, exciting. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah, hometown. I feel like that's yep. where we met yep. when I probably Hello's. opened for you, which is exciting. Um, same old, same old. Still yeah. a great fucking venue. Yeah, I can't wait to crazy. go back and play that venue. Um, but okay, so before we go, I need three pieces of advice gotcha. from you for up and coming producers that are interested in being in like the experimental space or just producers in general. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, I guess for like up and coming, let's see. I think, like I said earlier, when you're in the early stages, just spending that time grinding and learning your tools is mm -hmm. super, super important. Um, that's a big thing. Let's see. I think the second thing, especially in the experimental lane, um, I think the music that I think that's been the most impactful that I've made has been stuff that I've been the most uncomfortable with. Okay. Like sometimes just like questioning the simplicity of things like that and just being like, oh, like, is this just too simple though? But like that stuff's been the most like impactful that's stuff. Cool. So like in the experimental lane, sometimes being uncomfortable is how you like really break barriers to do cool things. Um, it's probably the second and then third, make sure your music's like, like danceable, like, cause experimental music, sometimes you listen to it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I can't even bob my head. I can't even like catch a beat on this. Like, so like, I think that's like a big thing too. It's like my dude, where's the drums? Yeah. Where's like, where's... yeah, yeah. yeah. Making dance music. You have to be able to dance to it. Like. I don't, that's my personal thing. It's like totally cool if you're not and making something that's so left field, but I don't know if you want to like play dance music. Yeah, right. You may want to make like ambient meditation yeah, music yeah. or like something, something of the sorts. No, yeah. those are great, awesome pieces of advice. Stoke for your tour. New music coming out soon. Yes. Lots of stuff going on. Okay. Ooh, so, awesome. Sweet. Yeah. We'll see each other at Base Canyon again. Absolutely. Probably at a show here. Yep. G-Rex, Jake, thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thank Appreciate you so much. Appreciate it. Bye, guys.